0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to episode 45 of the Disney Numbers podcast. The usual shout outs to those who listened to the previous one. Episode 44 was about differences in the types of goods and services that we buy. Why when our money goes up, it's less Tesco value, more Versace, Versace, Versace. And why price is sensitive to the, the amount we demand and the total supply. So, listen to that. Some basic economic theory can kind of help you understand why, no matter how much we want, pet- how much the price of petrol changes, we're going to still buy petrol. But if Coke were to say, yeah, it's £1.74 a can of Coke, it's tight. But yeah, episode 45 is a bit of a different topic. It's quite a controversial topic that many people have different types of views on. It's very emotive. And I like tackling emotive t- topics with a bit more, what should I say, pragmatism, because I'm a pragmatic person by nature, but it's also important to evaluate the emotive sides of things, because it kind of gives us context, where we want to make an objective view on whatever it may be, so, oh I didn't even tell you what the topic was, gentrification, gentrification, sometimes my pronunciations of words are very, very wild, and i know, a podcast, it should be better, but please bear with me. We'll get there. But yeah, what is gentrification? It's described as a process of re- renovate, renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to the middle class taste. That's the one I saw from Wikipedia. And if you want to give a bit more like in-depth like definition for more, more higher understanding, gentrification is essentially when higher status or higher income people and the higher is in relation to the current crop of people in that gentrified, what well, to or to in the to be gentrified area, higher status slash higher income people relocate and and invest in low income neighborhoods. So this is when you see people who have more money than the average person in the gentrified area. Let's say a gentrified area is called Ireland. In Ireland, the gentrified people come in; they have more money than the average person in Ireland, and they kind of invest and relocate in their masses and that kind of has an impact on that neighborhood where do we see gentrification where well, if you listen to this from the u.s i got a few u.s listeners don't know how but shout out you lot um chicago san fran new york los angeles you see a lot of gentrification in those areas but obviously i'm from london so we see a lot in london from all areas We've seen it, let's say, in Notting Hill in West London. In North London, we're starting to see it in, like, the Highbury area over the years. In North West London, where I'm from, Collindale, Graham Park, we've seen it turn into Beaufort Park. Even in Wembley Park, Wembley Park region, East London. Which is where we see quite a lot of it, due to I believe, due to the proximity to the city, which are a lot of young prof- where there are a lot of young professionals working. So that's the Oldgate Bank, St Paul's, Liverpool Street, Moorgate, Chancery Lanes, Holborn area. So you're seeing a lot in Shoreditch, Br- um, Shoreditch, Stratford, Hackney. I'm not sure if Shoreditch counts as Hackney, but whats what it is. Old Street, etc. And in South London. We see it in Brixton and Peckham as well. I'm sure there's many more areas that you listeners correlate to. So we see it quite a lot in these areas. We know what it is. It's basically an influx of higher income, higher status people coming to the area and kind of um, with their investment and relocation, it in turns kind of transforms that area to conform to kind of their middle class taste. What are the causes of gentrification? I'm one like of other people who believe it's a lot more sinister in causation rather than outcome. I can't, I can't understand people, which i get into, who see it as sinister in outcome. But in terms of causation, I personally don't believe that. If somebody has any objections, so please let me know. I'm happy to discuss it. And if you're right, then I'll, I'll learn from that. But i think in causation is not as sinister. Where is really demand for space and pricing? Demand and space and pricing... Is the imp- is the kind of driving force behind what we see in gentrification. If you're in London, you know this one, anyone. There is cranes everywhere. For those who work in the city, go up a couple of floors, look outside the window. There is cranes everywhere. Buildings, I mean, made everywhere. And in your local areas, there's buildings going up everywhere. To the point where there's not enough space, so they're building up. <laughs> they're knocking down some buildings and building bigger ones. Um, I was in an Uber yesterday for my night out. And the cab driver's like, yeah, it's just like a shoebox thing. Shoebox upon shoebox. Hell of Night Jordans all stacked up. That's how the buildings are going. And obviously, as a family or individual, if you're in a kind of like a middle class range, you have a bit of a conundrum. We're already aware of house prices. This moment, this listener, no. we have, We've discussed this on several occasions. At the cost of living are astronomical house prices, you need to bloody get a deposit of 500 bags just to get a shed in some Zone 6 spot in London, 10 miles from the station where you have to hike through snow to get to the station. It's wild. It's brazy out here. We know that. And obviously, everybody knows that. And this is the problem for these people. They're af- they are not poor enough or not affluent or they don't have that much lack of affluency. Whichever way you want to describe it, they're not eligible for the, um, to be on social... Benefits get on the social housing list, so because they have too much money for that, so they can't utilize that opportunity. However, they're not up enough, and that's the slang for rich. They don't have enough of bread to afford these wild prices everywhere. So what they do, what they t- tend to do, is now relocate to these areas where they say, okay, cool, this area, it's oh, I can get to work on a straight train, twenty five minutes, that's not too bad. I'll go live here yeah it might be the nicest area but I'm saving let's say six, seven, eight hundred pounds a month on rent so people come here in their drones and in that turn you then you start to see gentrification and I'll go and the difference between gentrification and general investment in the area is that when it's like a general investment in the area it's from, like the, from the ground upwards like you see people liaising with local communities um, with the people who live there and start uh um, implement initiatives, okay look cool, we're gonna build a better, better library, okay, we're gonna put in this um three G pitch or four G now so the kids can play football. Or we're gonna redevelop this um this estate or whatnot. And purely for the purpose of those living there. No, it's not that way. Justifications when now there's an the influx of these people and now it is now it then leads to Newton Fest because of the status and the wealth of the people that now live there. Okay, so we've discussed the causes, we've discussed what it is. Let's do a bit of cost-benefit analysis. So what are the actual advantages? I'm going to start with advantages first because we rarely see, maybe it's just me, but we rarely see the potential positives of gentrification. And I'm personally believes that if you look at many scenario situations and you look objectively enough, there's potential positives and negatives in every situation. Obviously, some situations are glaringly in one way so somebody gives you a million pounds you is very rare Is you'll be hard-pressed to find a disadvantage in that but if you probably think <laughs> deep enough or think from a different person's perspective you could probably find advantage or disadvantage in almost any scenario anyway enough that waffle what are the advantages of potential gentrification well some of the advantages are there actually can be new job opportunities emerge as more stores and more construction and construction, the area picks up. So let's say you're living in Brixton, and then there's a lot of gentrification. So over the years, the Brixton ladies can see there's way more new shops now. There's more investment. So if you're like a kid, work growing up in an area, you may be more likely to have a job available to you because simply because of investment in that area, which also leads into a decline in crime for those who listen to some summer episode, especially I think it's episode 42 I believe um, on gang culture so we discuss some of these things one of the biggest correlation one of the biggest causations of crime is low income low opportunity areas if you if you do not have money to buy food you're not going to starve because if you starve you'll die <laughs> if the opportunity cost is starving or stealing, what are you going to choose? I think most rational people will choose to steal because they don't want to starve. And that's what happens. Or low or low income, you don't have that much money, you don't have the opportunity, it kind of then leads to the potential mental health issues or just general lack of hope and despair. And that leads you into more delinquent activities and you're seeing a lot more violence, theft, um, aggression, um, usage of drugs, people becoming addicts whether it be alcohol or hard drugs in these regions so obviously if you're first of all if you're kind of shipping out people that actually have these issues in the first place and also bringing in people who have more money they don't need to kind of they're less likely to get involved in crime if there's more reinvestment in the area and then you kind of having new shops, gives people more opportunities so you're there's often a decline in crime also if you own a home in these areas and you still stay there you will also benefit from the rise in property values so let's say you owned a home in brixton and let's say let's say five years was like three stacks like 300 bags now i'm looking at some house prices in brixton i'm seeing 750 for some 500 600 so that's obviously good for you as a person or family because probably most households in the uk's largest asset is indeed their their home if your larger asset has increased exponentially, you are better off. Because if you were now to go sell that that asset, you have a lot more equity than you did if you were to sell the asset, let's say three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, five, four years earlier. And also on average, credit scores of the poor residents improve in gentrified neighborhoods. So that's even good for those inhabitants because then they have a bigger access to credit, so that can help them in terms of maybe getting a home or getting a loan or wherever have you may. And I think, like, if you look at things, I'm looking at quite a few studies from different regions. Quite a lot of them were American-based. They always seem to be ahead of us in everything. Gentrification doesn't seem to inflict the catastrophic damage that everybody kind of seems to say. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm going to get into why it it does. But it doesn't seem to be as bad as everybody wants to make out. So this is kind of a relative thing. But don't get me wrong. It still has its its bads. also like if you look and and i was reading quite a few studies and if anyone wants to show them i'll send it to them it's shown that time and time again in different places gentrification the people who are removed from one area to another in terms of their, their displacement they're not actually worse off than they were before so that's but then again that doesn't take in the emotional side which i want to get into so, yeah, another advantage is that, as I alluded to earlier, the job growth. Data shows that there's a lot of job growth and wage growth, but the wage growth could also be boosted by, the, of course, the influx of people who are probably working in the city or wherever you may. But also the job growth is because due to new shops being opened, um, new investment, et cetera. And if you look at some of the most gentrified regions in London, like you're looking at Camden, Islington and Hackney, although the poverty rates in those areas may have fallen due to obviously new jobs and people moving out and richer people moving in, there's still a very significant portion of those houses that are still in social rent. So in Camden, it's 35%. So that's one in three. In Islington, it's four out of 10. So that's 42%. So two in five. People's um, housing in Islington will be under social rent. And similar numbers at Hackney, 44%. So again, two in five. So, as I said, although the poverty rates in these boroughs have fallen for the reasons I mentioned, the number of quote quite poor people who are going to use social housing as a metric still remains high. So, it kind of maybe battles with the displacement um, argument. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the actual drawbacks of gentrification. Displacement. Displacement is described as the action of moving someone... Or something from its place or its position. People tend not to be displaced unless where they'll be displaced from. And two, is going to be in net positive. So if somebody told me, yo, we're going to do some things where you're going to have to leave Peckham. But you're going to be, I don't know, in Hawaii. But somebody might like that. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But more often than not, people don't want to be displaced they're left off they and' left of their own accord. There's direct displacement kind of indirect displacement and you can make up your mind which one's worse um so direct displacement let me give you an example you're living in sh- uh, you used living live in shortage the price for your household was a bag free which is a thousand three hundred pounds and for those, for those who don't know i use a lot of slang so probably by episode 65 i'll just quit trying to explain you're gonna have to get used to it you feel me so anyway so the price of rent a bag free now all these people are like, ooh, it's a bit expensive everywhere else. Do you want? Know yeah, I'm gonna go live in Shoreditch because I work in St. Paul's and I could get, a, I could walk today. I could get a bus, or I work in I work in Liverpool Street. That's a ten minute walk. This makes sense. So you get this influx of working professionals. People have a bit more money than the average person in the Shoreditch area prior, and as this moment's listeners and subscribers know demand. Increase in demand. That means increase in price because more and more people want your goods and services, and if you don't want to buy it for this new high price, psh, 10 other men will, isn't it. So, <laughs> pay up or keep it or get, get lost. And that's what's going to happen. So let's say it goes uh, from a bag free to two bags, so it's, your rent has gone up from £1,300 to £2,000. That's a £700 increase. More than a 50% increase in your accommodation costs, not to even talk about the increased cost because now all the other shops are now even more expensive than before, because shopkeepers' rent goes up, prices have to go up, and all you might get is new yuppie type shops with increasing increased price and products that have displaced the old ones that you that you grew up with. What are you finna do? I don't think many households in the UK can stomach a 50% increase in their biggest cost. Most economists say you should be spending more than a third of your net income on rent, on accommodation. Most people probably spend a half, almost up to half, maybe 60% some of people. So imagine 30% to 60% of your average cost on a month has gone up by 50%. That's bad. That's mad. And probably the more emotive... Um, drawback is the indirect displacement the exclusion imagine you've been living in Shoreditch all your life all your life there's a community let's say you're Caribbean there's a community of Caribbean people also African people of ethnic minorities we know how it is there's a lot of racial prejudice in this country prejudice in class prejudice in sex whatever but racially it's baiting and if you don't believe me I've got facts and figures for days for you to kind of disprove your theory. I think you, I find it that people don't understand that racism is so prevalent in this country. Anyway, so in this quite racist society that we have, it, in this ecosystem, you can still have your own mini communities of like migrants, whether it be first gen, second gen, whatever. So imagine you've got this culture, you've got this community, whether it be uh, the Caribbean community or Ghanaian community in Tottenham. You've got the Greek community in Palmer's Green and Southgate. You've got the Jewish community in in, in Stanmore and Bushy. You've got the Asian community in Harrow and Southall. You've got Portuguese people in Stockwell. You've got Nigerians in, what's it called, in Peckham. You've got all types of people in different regions. that kind of just, just end up there for whatever reason. Yeah? Now, because of these pricing, and these new people coming in, Everything's different. Your f- your friends, your neighbours, your family they might end up leaving because they've been priced out the ra- price of the area. So, people you see in community, people you see maybe your local gym or your local mosque or your local church or your local library, your shopkeepers they've gone because they can't afford to be there. You're alone now. It's a different community. The culture has changed. Hella man in skinny jeans and empty backpacks on dirty vans on road, flared jeans and that new tattoo shops and piercings, all that type of stuff they you're just not used to. Vegan milkshake shops. <laughs> all the type of nonsense. Your structure's gone. You're excluded. You're one of the ones who can afford to be there, but you don't want to be there no more because it's not your community. It's not... You're not comfortable. And that's one of the dangerous things. I mentioned how local businesses take a hit. If you look at a micro imagine yeah you don't know all, i call them, them all-purpose shops usually run by like turkish kurdish afghanistani afghanistani afghan and um asian people as well you come to shop you can get your phone fixed you can buy a phone you can get a labara top up you can fix your phone screen you could buy meat you could buy fish you could buy alcohol you could buy milk you could buy bread you could buy sweets chocolate you could buy a hair products, everything. Them shops have everything. Sometimes, some of them open 24 hours. If Tesco special, Sainsbury's come through its peak because the new breed of people, they ain't trying to see them shops. They know Tesco, they know Sainsbury, That's where they're going. Or if you have, like, your own Caribbean restaurant or African restaurant or Chinese takeout or whatever and then these fancy dead-ass Italian pasta spots come up or these new kind of cafes or these coffee shops with their 75 pound mocha choco whatever it's called the new inhabitants ain't going to you to your joint you are getting priced out and also the, the increase in rent prices to even own your to even um run your business has increased so if tesco and dead man roll is peak there's increased cost of living. As I said, the rent prices are going up if you're living in those regions. And if these new shops and stuff come in, your local bitches or whatnot, that's gone now. And the racial element, as I said, like whether you like it or not, there is racial tensions between different groups of people. We saw it with Grenfell. The talk on social media, the talk in my office and many people's offices, in the news... People going on like these people like the scum of the earth. They like they didn't really give on monkeys because they were brown people from North Africa, and they're Muslims. People say stuff like, "Oh, I'm not being funny, right?" But like those people are probably unemployed anyway. Hold on. So because you're unemployed, you deserve to burn to your death. More time. What you find that Most of these people are employed. They're probably working two, three jobs. Mum's working two, three jobs. Dad's working two, three jobs. Their son or daughter might have to work a Saturday-Sunday job at 16 just to sustain the family. Some of these people are so hard-working, they don't sleep. Because I've met plenty of these people. I've been in these type of communities before. That's where I grew up, you feel me? That's where many of our listeners have grown up. So that's why we were disgusted, but the wider public were not. Because they see the working-class people, especially from ethnic minority backgrounds, are deemed as scoundrels. Why are you going to leave your homeland to a next country to not work where is the incentive if you look at figures migrants are the most the least likely to claim benefits they would not come 60% of migrants come here with a job already Man not coming to work and then now so now if you've been displaced your community has been completely overrun and taking over, I'm not saying everyone taking over like it's some evil thing. Some people might say it's evil, or might just be is what it is. So, excuse my language and that. By this new yuppie British dickhead hipster culture, that I oh, I can't the hipsters. People think they're too cool, or they're bad, different. You're not. You're, you're saying you're all the one army of of bootcut wearing, tattooed, ear piercing wallies. <laughs> That's what you man are. You're all the same, anyway. Because I can spot you from a mile off. That's why every time I go to shortage, it's just like a big. It's like an army. Anyway, less of that. But yeah, like once your community's been taken over and you're feeling that you don't have that much money and these people's money have come in and just kicked you out, that's all how you may feel. That further increases racial divide. And even on the other side. These new people come to these regions, they're thinking, Raw, why are these people outside Brixton making up bad noise? Like why are they all shouting to each other, when they're greeting each other, why they're dancing, why is there music? Why is somebody preaching about Christ on a loud phone? What's going on? What are these shots? What are these foods? Why are they dressed like that? because we may not understand each other, it can lead to animosity and just that further racial divide, which I believe is a big problem in this country. So those are some of the drawbacks of gentrification. When you weigh up the costs and benefits, what do you think? I, I, I understand when you look at the digits that crime goes down, that's great. Property for those people goes so up, that's great. But if you look at the, what causes gentrification, which is the middle class people being squeezed, they've been eroded because they, even the middle class people, can't afford to live in certain environments, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing because it's going to happen again. <laughs> it's going to it's gonna be a, c- a continuous cycle. Yeah, they come relocating this area, built this area up, but then that area is going to be more expensive, more expensive, more expensive. And 20, 10, 15, 20 years, Brixton. Shoreditch, Hackney, Peckham's would be too expensive to live in. They're gonna have to do it again. So no, I'm not really feeling that personally. But yeah, I'm open to discussion. Anyone who wants to give me what they believe, you can hit me up. I'm this one on topics that I'm open to new thought. So let me know, I'm, I'm and I'm probably gonna discuss this again if a few more people have like a more group discussion. to so look out for that. But yeah, thank you for listening. Please, please, if you're listening on the Apple Podcast, subscribe. And download my podcast. It helps me out. Drop a young five-star review. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. If you feel my podcast is alright, let a friend know cuz. Let man eat. You feel me? Please <laughs> tell your friends. If you are listening on SoundCloud, please like. I know you can comment on SoundCloud, but it's not that deep. But yeah, follow me so my podcast comes straight to you. Retweet it on your feed because somebody else is following you. can actually may see that. And yeah, definitely tell a friend. You can follow me on Twitter at d one s u N-O-M-I-C-S I'm on Insta, Dishnomics and any random queries hello at Dishnomics.com I've been speaking at quite a few events, shout out Nigo for the event he held yesterday, that was great that I attended met some good people and yeah that's it God bless, enjoy your week Sports Social Podcast Network